Hello and welcome to the Shock Horror Podcast. Okay. <clears throat> Hello and welcome. Hopefully some listeners will come in. Um, welcome to our discussion today about the new Scream trailer, which dropped earlier on today, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. I have so many questions for you guys. It's unbelievable. But I have just returned from the 25th anniversary showing of Scream. And I just want to share some thoughts with you very quickly. Firstly, I want to ask you both, when did you first see Scream? Paul? I saw Scream. I was forced to see Scream by my cousin who loved horror movies and I was terrified of them. I was forced to see them uh, out of order. I was forced to see the third one first and I was so confused. And then I remember I was kind of like, well, I would like to see the first one. And I remember I saw the first one by myself when I was, oh, 14 home alone in the middle of the night and i could not sleep that night because i was terrified you know <laughs> so uh yeah wow. 15 wow so you saw the third one first that must have been quite confusing then to go back and watch the third one and get all the context it was because my grandmother and my cousin really liked the movies and so my grandma was sitting there and i'm like well who is that I'm like, well, what, what, like, who, what, why is she? Bl-? And my cousin's like, well, this is this. And my grandma's going, oh, for God's sake. And I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> but also it must have taken the jeopardy out of watching the first film because you'd seen them all in the third. So you knew that they all survived. I mean, yes, but, but you know what? The, the thing was, is that, that is, I will, and I will always say this, that, that opening scene with Drew Barrymore to me is still one of the most iconic, if not one of the scariest, like opening murder, like like death scenes I've ever seen in a uh, in a film. And um, and actually, I had someone prank me like that one time. My uncle pranked me like that, called me like just like that in the middle of the night. It was ter- <laughs> it was terrifying, but yeah, so. It was confusing oh, wow. seeing them out of order. Yeah, I can imagine. And Alvin, tell us about your very first Scream experience. Well, hold on. First of all, I'd like to say to Paul, I have a lot of questions for your cousin. <laughs> As, to why, <laughs> oh, yeah. As to why he started with the third one for you. I feel like he did you a disservice, but it worked out. You love Scream nonetheless, so I guess we all win still. So, Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the first time I saw Scream, I was 12 years old, and my dad took me to the movie theater. Uh, he bought my ticket singly just for me and told them I was allowed to go watch it. So I watched it for the first time by myself in theaters. Um, I was really excited to go watch it. Um, I, I, I tore, but I, 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 to go into a movie by myself, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it was the first time I did that. And... Uh, the the reveal at the end blew my mind and it definitely is responsible for why I'm so into the franchise as it is just the way I am and uh you know fast forward 25 years later I was able to take my son also 12 to the anniversary showing so that was kind of special for me 
Wow. Oh, wow. So That's come cool. full circle. Yeah. yeah. I, was, uh, I took my son and then my two nephews who I introduced to series two when they were, they were younger than 12. <laughs> but they love the series well they're they're older now but it was just it was cool it was like three generations of screen fans so absolutely and i have to ask you alvin having just returned from the screening myself um obviously watching the film on the big screen you have a completely different experience as an adult watching that movie there's so much more now that you can take away from it and also there's so much more references now i've seen a lot of the films that they reference in the movie, you know, things like Halloween um, and all those kind of little music cues that happen. Do you find now that you appreciate it more as an adult than you did when you first saw it at, as 12 years old? Uh, absolutely. I totally understand what you're saying. I, I didn't, a lot of the references originally went over my head uh, when I was seeing it for the first time in theaters. I've seen it a couple of times in theaters, a couple of times in theaters since then. Uh, the Alamo Draft House has played it. Uh, they played it a few years ago in my uh, where I live, so I went to that showing. You got like a free microphone inflatable and a sheriff badge, which I thought was kind of cool. And oh, uh, cool. every time I've seen it, that I definitely cool. know more about it. So I definitely appreciate it every time, every, more every time I see it. I agree, and I having just had that experience this evening, the thing that I fa- found that was really um enjoyable was being in a screening with people that had never seen the film before i was sitting in front of two guys that obviously hadn't seen the film and uh they were obviously laughing at the out-of-date references especially when a policeman calls a cell phone a cell telephone yeah that part <laughs> and asks and there's asks a lot billy what's I... he doing with a cell telephone um, which is always funny, but those little out of date references got giggles. But also, you know, some of the more uh, graphic scenes, especially the scene at the end with, and I'm sorry, guys, if you haven't watched Scream, but I'm about to spoil the end for you. When um, Billy is uh, stabbing Stu, um, that got some really visceral reactions from younger people in the audience that hadn't seen it. Because I think that even though these days we are so used to, you know, the torture porn era and slasher films these days, especially with the upcoming Halloween kills being very graphic. I think when it's so small and with people that you can identify with, i.e. teenagers and people of your own age, it's much more graphically violent. That scene is horrible. Yeah. And yeah, even though I've seen the film numerous times myself, I found myself going, oh, Ah, that bit just really gets me for some reason. But um, when you saw the 25th anniversary album, were there people in your screening that you could blatantly tell had never seen the film before? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And obviously I was sitting next to one with my kid. So it was pretty fun to watch him try and guess the killer the whole time. He had guessed, uh, he'd originally guessed the, he guessed the cameraman. He guessed the sheriff. He guessed Randy. He guessed, um, (laughs) I mean, he did guess Bill pretty early on, but immediately moved past him when all the other red herrings started presenting themselves. So that was pretty fun to experience that. And then a lot of people in the crowd were laughing a lot over scenes like you were talking about. The cellular telephone scene definitely got some laughs. But my son, I can tell he was confused because there was a lot of laughing at parts that really weren't funny. But it was just the nostalgia of like watching it again and like listening to the the lines that we've all 
heard so many times. But not only that, you know, you've got Scary Movie who mocks it a lot. So even in like scenes where Sydney runs yeah. away in the school, like, you know, it, you can't not think about Anna Ferris running away like a maniac, you know, so a lot of people are <laughs> laughing. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting to watch people laugh. And I'm, I could tell them, I, I knew immediately what they were laughing about, but my kid was kind of like, why are they laughing right there? Sure. And uh, Paul, have you seen a lot of the parodies of Scream? I mean, obviously Scream is like the original and there is so much echoed through film horror history now. I mean, it, you could almost say that Scream was patient zero. So do you think that... Um, do you think that the the way that Scream is viewed now is different because it has had so many carbon copies through recent horror movies? I think, you know, a lot of... Uh, so I, I think that Scream is a um, is definitely one of those, um, like, iconic um, moments that are kind of like, um, y- you know, le- like in, in, with, with Psycho. You know, Psycho has that, you know, iconic moment with like, you know, the shower scene and it's like every everybody knows certain things about Psycho. And it's like I think everybody knows, you know, with with Scream, everybody knows it's like, you know, it's like it's like, do you want to play a game? You know, and it's um, like uh, so I think that it's been parodied a lot. And I think, uh, you know, I remember seeing as a. as a kid, I remember seeing scary movie the first time. And I remember it being like hysterical because I loved when they did ghost face and they would have him like, you know, like they would actually have ghost face making all these different faces, especially when he was high, <laughs> he had this stupid look on his face and it was like, it was just the funniest thing. Um, but, um, but the thing is, is that ghost face is like really terrifying when, when you don't know who he is. And, um, you know, it, it, and he's like, you know, it, it's just running around like a, just like a shape. It's like, oh, my God. So I do think, though, that um, it's definitely one of those blueprints for horror movies a lot because, you know, there's so many things that um, Scream did that um, a lot of horror movies now will will use um, like um you know, like, like, like the phone is like a really, really big one where it's like, you know, it's like, you know, like, you know, do you want to play a game? And, um, you know, where the girls like terrified to answer the phone. And um, so, but that goes back to a lot of things. So there's a lot of nostalgia with, with Scream, but I think that there's a big blueprint that, that Scream has that a lot of horror movies will be using from now on because of that, if that makes sense. Well, I, I completely make sense. And I think that even after when Scream came out, that blueprint was used pretty soon after. You had franchises like I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, Urban right. Legend, uh, Cherry Falls, just to name a few of the franchises that tried to cash in on the Scream formula. Now, the obviously, fa- Scream, directed by the amazing... Wes Craven, who only a couple of years earlier had directed New Nightmare, which also broke the mold. I think that now with Scream coming out and it being such a big success, I think New Nightmare is an absolutely forgotten Wes Craven meta gem. Do you think that 
do you think that um, now that those tropes have been sort of exposed through Scream and do you think we could ever return back to the glory days of the slasher film? And do you think that the new Scream movie will bring those glory days back? Alvin? I think they have the ability to do that if they're not cuffed to the rules that they've created. Like, I, I believe they could absolutely set the tone for the next 10 to 15 years of horror movies if they're not afraid to do different things, change it up a little bit. Not not completely. I, you know, I still want it to be a Scream movie, but I just I don't want them to be constrained to all the formulas that they basically invented. I want them to be willing to try something different and set new rules. Sure. Now, I'm watching the film tonight having seen it so many times before, I did see a couple of plot holes. And I just want to put these to you two so that we can discuss them and maybe you can convince me that they're not plot holes at all. So, my first obvious plot hole is if Stu and Billy have this big idea of, you know, having Sydney kidnapping her father, then killing the, her, and then having them two as the last survivors. Why are they trying to kill Sydney from the very beginning of the film? I have a, I have a couple. I have a theory on that, for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I don't believe that their original plan was to be the final. I think they, I think they were very innovative, and I think they'd already kidnapped Neil, at like you know at the beginning of the movie they'd had him gone and i think when they went to kill her the first time it did not work so they like i assume they could have done the same kind of thing they would have got away with it as well if they would have killed if they would have had it if they would have framed neil to kill in sydney and for the same kind of purpose and reasons he can't look at her you know he always sees his mother etc cetera, etc cetera. i still think it would have been a pretty decent uh i just think that once they weren't able to kill sydney they had to reconvene and figure out a different strategy and that's when they decided to do the party deal um that's kind of the way i look mm-hmm. at it when i think back on it i mean yeah. yeah i i could definitely go with that i could definitely go with that but here's another one for you why was ghostface in the in the um grocery store that's a plot hole. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to convince. There's theories on that too. I've read people. I've read some theories on that. A lot of people have said it was Roman. Um, Ooh. I've heard that. Cool. Theory. Yeah. Um, you could, you could, de- you could definitely look at it that way. Possibly if you wanted. Um, but I, I feel like it was just, they wanted to show the scream face, you know, and it, yeah, it's okay that there's plot holes in certain movies too. It, it's it can still be a great movie with a plot hole. Um, I if love it a lot of plot. Perfect. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're good. I was just saying I love a lot of things that aren't perfect. Uh, I feel like sometimes the imperfections make them more lovable. That's kind of the way I look at it. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. It was just some of the things that I saw in the film tonight. I was a bit like, oh, I'm definitely going to have a conversation with the guys about this because. Obviously, there's some theories there, but I absolutely love that theory that Roman is actually there as well. Like, um, just for any of our listeners, if you don't know who Roman is, it's Sydney's brother who turns out to be the killer. 
in Scream 3. Spoilers! Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would make sense because if he had orchestrated the whole thing from the very beginning, of course he's wanna, got, he's going to want to be there to to see this plan unfold. So, Alvin, that is a good mm-hmm. shout, actually. I, I think Let's if I'd get- known that... I say that I I definitely heard somebody say that it wasn't like my original idea um but I believe it was probably a plot hole that people can cover up by thinking it's Roman if that makes sense because Roman was not a thought in their mind when Scream 1 was written based on the things no I've of read. course not yep and Roman now if it was, was def- a true go ahead Paul. if it was a if it was a true plot hole though I think that, you know, um, uh, I think that a, a reason that maybe Wes Craven wanted to throw that in, too, was kind of like is, is to show that, you know, no matter where you go, you're not safe. Like like you are not safe from Ghostface no matter where you go, even in a freaking grocery store, you're not safe. So, um, you know, it could have been that it could have been as simple as that. Um, but but I because I, I did see the plot hole like like where it's just kind of like it's like well why is he there it's like that just makes no no sense absolutely and I think another plot hole which has been discussed amongst Scream fans for a while I think but it seems to be every murder that's committed has a sort of idea behind it for example Drew Barrymore dying at the beginning she was the ex-girlfriend of Stu, who um she dumped him for steve like her current boyfriend or not so current i.e dead um but yeah so there's that sort of idea of revenge there very misogynistic um idea that these two boys have against any woman that scorns them they just kill them but um so why did they kill the principal Uh, I, I also have a. Th- <laughs> I don't want I to be the only one too. Sure, Paul. Okay, a let's hear Paul first, and then we'll come to you, Alvin. So my theory is, is that I think that the reason that is, I think that both Stu and Billy, I think that they both had this, um, is they had this plan that they what they were going to do. And it was working out and and they were both on the same page in the beginning. And then things, I think, started going down a whole different path where it was like Billy was going down one path and Stu was going down where Stu was just like staying down this one path. And it's like, yeah, this is really fun. I, you know, I'm like all for this, you know, where where I think like, you know, so I think that, you know, maybe with the principal, it was supposed to be that Billy hated what what billy got was so angry that he just was like you know like you know i'm I'm killing people now why not just kill people that i hate already it's like you know Mm. Mm. what do you think alvin yeah i think that makes sense i mean once you start down that path of evil i'm sure it's easy to convince yourself to kill anybody at that point um the way i kind of looked at it i i've read uh, some things and I've I've heard I think Wes had said at one point somebody had said at one point that they they added the principal kill because there wasn't a kill for like 45 minutes and it was a it was a it was a product it was a the producers were concerned that there wasn't a kill for like 45 minutes so they kind of like added it is kind of what I've heard with but if you want to mm. give it a reason that it would have to do with the fact that they had planned on going to this party 
and they were going to need a distraction to get the people out of the party at some point as well. And that's exactly what they used that hanging for um, to get them to leave. And it worked uh, that way they could get themselves secluded with Sydney and the, uh, get intimate with the rest of the cast there at the end. You know, that is a good shout. Actually, that is actually a really good um, yeah. theory there. I actually think that that is actually probably the right idea because, you know, it is that moment when Randy's on the phone and he tells the, the boys that are left over at the party that the principal's dead and is hanging from the goalposts. That is what spurns them all to leave. So, yeah, I think that that is actually um, a solid theory. Interesting. Well, you've cleared up all my plot holes. Thank you very much. That sounds a bit rude. But um, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to move swiftly on now to um, the new Scream trailer, which dropped today. Very weirdly, it dropped on Paramount Australia first, which um, was actually a good thing because that means we all got to see it very early. Yep. Uh, Yes. So um, I've got loads of questions for you guys. So don't worry. But we're going to go through the trailer step by step. And then I'm going to throw some things out to you, which... um, to get your theories and maybe some some answers from you. So, who is Tara to begin with? So, we, um, it starts with a telephone call, very Scream-like, very much like the opening of um, Scream 1. And we are introduced to a character called Tara, who is texting her friend Amber on the phone, who she thinks is Amber. But turns out not to be Amber. It turns out to be whoever is calling her. So uh, let's have a little theory about who Tara could be. Alvin. I don't believe that's the opening kill. I believe. Uh, I I don't believe that's the opening kill. I believe uh, that you know at, at, when Dewey's talking in the trailer at some point he says there's been three attacks so far. I believe that she would be the second attack, especially since Amber's phone has been you know obviously hijacked by the killer at that point i assume amber would be the first killed uh and then tara would be the second one killed in that process or the second and third one killed in that process uh i still think that it could start with hicks being killed first uh and then there's some theories like with hicks like from four like if she's connected to billy or Stu somehow through high school uh if like sydney wasn't giving it up to billy maybe he got it from her and she had like a a billy a billy spawn theory <gasps> i kind of i'm kind of theory and uh the i think it'd be really cool if a, you know coming across that crime scene of hicks dying at the beginning if dewey oozed the scene with experience this time and uncovered some sort of evidence linking them all together I mean, that is a good shout because out of all of the characters that could have come back from Scream 4, it was slightly odd to me that it was only Hicks coming back. So unless they're going to actually use her as a plot device, I think that that is, um, that is interesting because I do think they need to give her a big slice of the pie to to work with in Scream 5 or just Scream. Um, otherwise, why bring her back? Correct. Yeah, she's either going to have a lot to do with it or she's going to die very early. That's my opinion. Excellent. Paul, what did you think of that opening sequence of the trailer, the the whole 
phone and WhatsApp and uh, security alarm sequence? Um, I thought the security alarms uh, sequence really. So to me, looking at IMDb, there are um, there's Tara and she has the last name that is similar to another character. Well, well, shares it with another character. And I don't know if it's her sister or her mother. And um, so I kind of got that feeling of like, it's, it, you know, like the calls coming from in the house type of deal where it's like, how is, like, how is somebody using, like, you know, unlocking this security system you know, because uh, obviously they either know the code, you know, or they, um, they they know the code or they work for the company and, uh, you know, are, you know, are working with the killers. So there's maybe two like in the first one. So mm -hmm. um, I'm but so part of me is wondering um, if maybe there's a love child somewhere that is um, mysteriously like, you know, like connects all of them together. Um, and uh, because again, it's like they like, well, I don't want to get too far ahead. So, but with Tara and all that, I think that maybe she, um, I agree that I don't think that she is, is the first kill. Um, and um, that, um, you know, I think that she might actually have like, um, I think that there might be a relationship that is like maybe like family blood somewhere coming along in the line. I just have like a feeling of that. But well, it's interesting know. you should say that because she does have the same surname. So her character name is Tara Carpenter. And then she has, uh, there's a Sam Carpenter as well. Obviously, Right. Knowing the Scream franchise, you know, with Billy Loomis in the first one, you know, Loomis obviously being Donald Pleasant's character from Halloween. Uh, then we have Atara Carpenter, as in maybe John Carpenter, a little bit of a, an ode to him there. But there are two characters. But uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. I'm just going to throw this out there now. Um, Judy Hicks does have a son in this uh, in this episode of Scream, this um, next installment um, played by um, Dylan Manette and he is playing Wes Hicks now the name Wes obviously is an ode to Wes Craven who was the original director of the screen films so that's quite nice so Alvin I'm thinking that your theory of a love child here with Hicks could be correct seeing um, I don't want to get too far like I said but there is one scene with Wes Hicks, where he is looking a little bit like Stu. Blonde hair, shaggy clothes. Yeah. Not shaggy no, from Stu. Yeah. The, uh, the Wes Hicks name on IMDb is what spurred the, that whole, the whole theory of her, him possibly being uh, either Billy's kid or Stu's kid. And I, that's why I think like if Hicks died early in the movie, it'd be a perfect opportunity for them to, you know, find find a journal or you know some pictures of hicks with billy or Stu, like kind of connecting them then uh you know having to deal with Hick, hicks's son being um i think it'd be a really cool story for sydney to have to deal with trusting you know a spawn of billy and i i think it'd be really cool i think it'd be lazy if he ended up being the killer like what wes hicks did i think it'd be more 
interesting if he had to battle the whole break the cycle deal where his dad was a killer or his grandma was a killer and so on and so forth and him having to battle through that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if the tagline of this film was Son of Stew? Son of Stew. <laughs> that would Son be sweet. That would be great. So um, we have the killer answering the phone. Do you want to play a game very similar to with Drew Barrymore in the first one playing the the you know the movie quiz but also a little bit of a saw reference i thought do you want to play a game can i just say the um i can't remember the actor's name who does the voice of ghostface but you know yeah he's sounding you know he's sounding his age i'm thinking has the uh the voice changer also aged with the uh with the franchise (laughs) quite possible they couldn't make him sound a bit younger because he is like, do you want to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Grandpa. Yes, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was a nice little reference there. So we talked about it earlier with Scream, watching it today, the 25th anniversary, how people were laughing at the outdated technology references. You can always sort of date a Scream movie by the technology. I mean, it's a sign of the times, I suppose. But... Um, Obviously, technology has progressed in this um, instalment because we've got, instead of her answering the phone and having the, do you want to play a game, answer the questions, you know, uh, what, you know, what I want to know what you're wearing, all this kind of thing. She's doing it over WhatsApp. So do you think this is um, something that we're going to see in this instalment where there's going to be less conversation on the phone and more messaging? <laughs> And again, with the security system, you know, a very uh, progressive technological advance. I was very surprised that they didn't. I'm going to have to say this next word very quietly so I don't wake mine up. They didn't use Alexa. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Sequence. But do you think that technology uh, is important in the Scream franchise? And how do you think that this film could use that to its advantage? Alvin. Oh yes, I've been. I'm very excited to see a a new screen movie with the new technology that we've really come to love and appreciate over the last 15 years. Because Scream Four, out when that technology was around, but it really has not been perfected the way it is now. And I really think like the smart houses and the you know the door locks. I also think it kind of gives you a hint that there's you know two killers at play because you got one running around and you got one controlling the doors and the lights possibly and texting and all that stuff. I think, I think it would be quite possible that there's probably two killers in my opinion, but yeah, I I can't wait for them to explore the technology front. And I think uh, the texting on like WhatsApp or messenger, however they use it. I, I kind of like, I kind of dig that idea. I still want to hear Roger Jack's voice though. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't really Mm -hmm. replace him. That would be sacrilege. 100%. Paul, what do you think the role of technology plays in the screen films? Do you think, what what do you think that they could use technologically wise to make this story more interesting? Well, I think that they can do it to where, like what I said before, where that one of the killers, you know, is tech savvy to where they're able to, you know, um, you know, like work with, um, you know, one of like a cable company or something, or one of the, um, 
like like one of the lock like, like security system security uh, systems, and um, you know, and then and then they work with um, work with like the main killer, you know, because um, it's like you know Billy. So Billy was the main killer, and Stu was just like you know he was. How I always got it was is that is that Billy was the one that was like the most pissed off and the most uh, you know like basically like he had um was the most angry and then Stu was just kind of like yeah dude I'll follow you yeah you know and you know like area yeah. a little bit but um with tech with the technology I think that they could really use it and I just hope that they do a really good job and I hope that they don't do what they do because I was excited with Chucky when they were talking about with this whole thing with like a smart doll and everything I thought oh that's going to be such a great idea and it was such an epic fail and I hope they don't do that with this <laughs> It's like, you know, just, you know, at least, you know, it be, um, it, it doesn't have to center around it, but I still think that um, it has to do with something. It, it's going to have something to do with it because it's like already we've got the, the WhatsApp and, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping though that there's going to be more talking than, than, um, than messaging because um, it was like in, um the girl with the dragon tattoo, there was like a lot of this where we had to do a lot of reading of articles ourselves instead of them actually physically talking in the film. And it was kind of like, well, let me pause the movie and see what it's saying. Cause you know, it's like, I'm a slow reader. So it's like, I like to actually hear them talking like, uh, and, and they more so did that in the original, um, uh, uh, like uh, trilogy that they came out with, but, I don't know. I think that it can be a really, really good uh, thing and um, with technology because it, uh, you know, like I said, you know, the Echo Bot, you know, and all that, it, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it always is listening and, you know, like, you never know. Well, that's, that's like Ghostface. I mean, Ghostface is always present. Ghostface is always listening, you know, is always there in the background. There is some great uh, scenes in this opening, you know, with, um, I do think, I think my main worry going into the trailer was that we were going to get so much uh, footage or like most trailers these days, especially with the more recent Halloween kills, where we have literally the whole plot laid out for us in the trailer. I was a bit concerned about this with the screen, but I think that that whole opening sequence, if it is the opening sequence, hasn't been played out i think there's going to be massive gaps in it so i think that we're just seeing sort of like the highlights of that scene but there'll be so much more into it playing into what you said paul where we're getting a lot of messaging but and not a lot of talking but i think that we haven't seen that scene we haven't seen that scene in its entirety yet so yeah right. i look forward to that and alvin what do you think he says you want to play a game what do you think the game could be are we answering horror trivia again um i don't know like i, I really like that paul brought up the, the the new child's play movie because the idea was perfect i agree with you but they uh i don't think they balanced it right and i i what you were basically saying is it's definitely it's going to come down to balance on the on the technology stuff like when it comes to the messaging and stuff like it's cool to have the whatsapp and the the, the locks in the house and the smart stuff but it's it's definitely going to come down to being able to balance as far playing the game 
uh, yeah, I still want to. I still want them to play a game. I definitely want some horror trivia at some point in the movie. Uh-huh. What questions are they going to ask this time <laughs> about Midsummer and Hereditary? <laughs> right. Some of the more yeah. darker movies. Yeah, the horror genre has definitely been different the last ten years. Um, I, yeah. I think they're. I think they'll probably reference if they're going to ask horror movie trivia questions. It's probably going to have a lot to do with ninety movies which would be kind of fun too because that's those were my nine that was my that was my era for horror movies for sure so <laughs> well i think tara in the film looks in her sort of mid to late teens so i think if they ask a question about jason i think her answer will be jason who correct that's why I, that's why i was like 90s movies or like early 2000s movies they'll probably yeah. have to question them on I agree with She'll that. She'll probably completely. turn around and say, "Are you talking about Jason Blum?" <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Seeing him make realize... every other horror movie. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I'm just hoping. Brilliant. I'm just hoping that they're not going to do what they tried doing with Star Wars. You know, when they did the, um, where they did the 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 new trilogy that they came out with where it was like it was almost like you can see facets of the original movies in it like it like like in like the last jedi you could see like this love story happening and it was like happening in the empire strikes back and yeah it's like i'm hoping I'm hoping that they don't, I'm hoping that there's facets of the original in it because I'm thinking that obviously the killer wants Sydney's attention and that somehow it's like he's like this killer there wanting to get Sydney's attention and wanting the attention of not just, I, I don't even think not just Sydney, but I think just all of them because there's something really important that they need to either get off their chest or you know you know, you know. Mm. well the, thi- the thing with, sorry Adam, i was gonna say the thing with star wars is you know the force awakens is a carbon copy of a new hope and right even with halloween like the more recent the the um the gordon green halloween that came out in 2018 of which we're getting a sequel to next week that was pretty much you know beat to beat the original i think that um i think that is actually the the um the style at the moment is to deliver a story that is not too far away from what the fans want because you because the fans ultimately are who they are making these films for i do think that scream won't fill in, fall into that trap but i've just got one question to ask very quickly what do you think about the new film just being called scream alvin i think that's a direct reference to what you were just alluding to as far as them probably following in the footsteps of the new Halloween and what Paul's afraid of and myself. I've actually made a couple of videos on that, that I don't want to scream the ghost face awakens. (laughs) I want want to, I want scream the new one to set the precedence for movies going forward. So, I mean, I want, I want the main characters to be involved in the movie. I don't want them to disrespect those characters, but I mean, no one loves those characters as much as I do, Um, but I don't want, I honestly, I mean, it sounds sacrilege for sure, but I don't, I don't even want the main motive to revolve around Sydney, but it already said that's going to be the case. I want, I want the motive to center around the new final girl. 
mm-hmm. or the new, you know, the new final characters myself. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, just because mostly just because I want Scream to survive. I wanted to I wanted to continue forward. And I think with four um, love it or hate it, there's a lot of people on either side of it. You can't argue that it lost a lot of the uh, the, the box office pull that the first three had. And it's not all force fault by no means. But, you know, it uh, if you in Randy's words, if, if you want to be one of the big boys like Halloween and. <laughs> those really uh you really better do something that you know not just the core fans want to see but new fans are going to want to see so i think it was i i understand why they did it with the why they called it scream and mm. they're trying to they're trying to bring in a new generation and i think that's important yes yeah, so obviously and this links into what you're saying alvin scream has always been a very self-aware franchise i.e following the the style of the horror tropes, i.e. Scream was its own entity, um, referencing horror movies. The sequel referenced, you know, the rules of a sequel. And then we had the third film, which, you know, you know, we had the video with Randy in the third film talking about a trilogy. And then Scream 4 brings about the almost the remake sort of style. What do you think they the horror tropes will be that they are pulling from for scream i uh i think they tried to do that with four with the reboot uh they were they were trying to do like the whole reboot deal with four and it was really um it was definitely the most meta of all the movies in my opinion Uh, i actually think this new one is gonna be a more subtle reboot i don't think they're gonna like they're gonna they're gonna talk about the rules and some things but i don't think it's gonna be as I, I at least my hope is that it's more balanced on the meta stuff than it was in the fourth one. Do uh, you think that yeah. one of the things they could do is to follow in the style of Halloween and completely forget about two, three, and four and just have a completely direct sequel to the first one and completely forget about the other sequels? Um, I never thought of that. I uh, I feared that very much early on in the process that they were going to do that because it worked out so well for Halloween. It, it really scares me that they're going to do that, but watching the trailer should give me, uh, should give everyone at least a little bit of comfort that they're not going to ignore them. Mm. Well, the only comfort I have is the bringing back of Hicks, of what we spoke about earlier. A Correct. character from four. Yeah. So they're not ignoring four if she's in it. No, Exactly. These are all the things of, that I really want to uh, to talk about because obviously uh, the whole appeal of Scream is the meta side of it and the fact that it pretends um, that it's real life and not a movie. You know, uh, Sydney says in the original, you know, this isn't a movie. This is real life. Um, so and interesting. So let's move on with our trailer analysis so the next scene after we see the unfortunate tara um killed uh we're introduced to dewey and sydney again and uh a great line from dewey you know have you got a gun to which sydney replies of sydney prescott of course i've got a gun um you know where do you think we where do you think sydney is in her life at this point paul I think she's kind of like, um, I think it's very, I I think that they're going to go down this like Laurie Strode in um, 
kind of like she's she's aware that there's going to be like it's going to happen again like like one day like like because what happened in uh halloween 2018 was is that she's like i I knew that the day that he was gone that he would come back and i think that sydney knows that that who she is and that this has happened before that one day something is going to happen because i think that at the end of the um the end of the fourth film spoiler alert you know it was <laughs> it was her cousin right what wasn't um, um uh, yes yes so it was her cousin that was the killer and um and i think that you know she's now come to this realization that you know what people are obsessed with this and um you know it's kind of i i think that um she just sort of realizes that you know it's gonna happen eventually so i think that she's not going to be surprised that this is happening again so that is why she has a gun what do you think alvin i think paul's on the right track there i'm kind of hoping that she's that you know if they're going to be meta in any way and talked about john carpenter movies before it's not the first time they've brought up halloween Hopefully they bring up Halloween again in this one, in my opinion. And they're like, I don't want to be 70 years old tracking down the killer. Like we're going to get this killer now, you know, like maybe she's trying to avoid becoming Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, And maybe I would kind of hope they kind of talk about that. If they're, if they're going to be better, you know, set herself up for a sacrifice, like set herself up for a sacrifice kind of Mm -hmm. situation. To give her own life to finally end it. Well, for her, yeah. I mean, it would end it for yeah. her, but, you know, maybe it, that would be her idea to end it. But not like suicide, sure. by, but, you know, risking her life for some of these, the new the new cast. I think she would think that it would, you know, complete the cycle. But, you know, it's Hollywood. We'll have another one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, there were a lot of rumors, obviously, that... Um, they were going to treat Sydney like they treated Drew Barrymore in the first one, you know, have her in the opening sequence and then kill her off. I think from this trailer to me, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case, which I'm actually quite pleased about. So that's a good thing. Um, Same question, starting with you, Alvin, with Dewey. I mean, when we see him on the phone to Sydney in that very first sequence, he looks in a very rundown sort of depressed state. Uh, do you think he's still in Woodsboro? What do you think uh, the the deal is with Dewey right now? I I think he's absolutely in Woodsboro, and you know I I mentioned Sydney kind of ha- possibly having that self sacrifice kind of thing. She's not really showing that in the trailer at all, but I feel like Dewey is showing that kind of uh, energy in the trailer. You know, he's kind of let you know he's letting the beard go. He's he's scraggly. It looks like he's almost living by himself. Uh, the way the way it's shot like it the way it, just the way the scenes look like it's almost like he's by himself and uh i yeah i think he's definitely glowing with self-sacrifice energy like i'm gonna save the day and you know that that showdown in the hospital scene was pretty epic in the trailer sure now this is a bit of a two-part question and paul you can answer this one first so yeah um is dewey uh still with gail uh, that's the first part and the second part is, 
how brave are these actors to come back together? I mean, I don't know the details of their divorce, but um, obviously, you know, they were married, um, Arquette and Courtney Cox, and they are returning for this film. Do you think there was something maybe in their contracts where they were <laughs> going to do any scenes together? What do you think? I think, um, well, first, I just want to say that Courtney is looking, you know, I mean, not like herself no more. You know, she's really starting to get that, you know, that piece of wax. uh, You know, she's starting to look a little (laughs) waxy to me. But um, I think, um, so, you know, going off of what Alvin said, I think that Dewey's depressed. So I think that him and Gail are not together anymore. Um, I think, uh, that, that that's part of the problem, um, which is why he might be in this rundown, depressed look, because the, the one thing that I, you know, when I was in film appreciation class, they say that anything that happens in a movie or anything that you see in a movie has a purpose and that, you know, that if a character looks a certain way, there's a reason that they're supposed to look like that. And so, because uh, it's all about telling a story. So, you know, and, you know, and like what Alvin said, you know, we've got this, you know, from looking at Dewey, he already just looks like he's just depressed. And, um, but, um, and then as far as the second part of the question, I think that um, they probably definitely had a contract, but maybe, I mean, I don't know. Did they not have a, a peaceful divorce? Like were they? Um, I'm sure probably they did. Right. Cause I, I've never really heard about them, you know, in Hollywood gossip that they were like, you know, you know, beefing. No, must be quite strange for them to come back into a franchise into a film where ultimately they met, fell in right. love, married, because I think they were married by Scream 3, and I think they were still married in Scream 4 and now obviously divorced. So this franchise has spanned their entire love life. Must be quite strange for them. Mm. The, yes. uh, but anyway, it, this isn't this oh, isn't a gossip column. <laughs> 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 this isn't the they National were... Enquirer. Although the gossip, though, they were actually going through their divorce when filming Scream 4. That's they, right. They were. Yeah, they absolutely were. So that was 10 years ago. Yep. And I think they're pretty amicable, by the way. I, they, they, they do seem I, – I, if, if I were answering that question, I would say, uh, no, they're not together in the movie. Uh, but the second part was I don't think there's anything in their contract like that. I think they're, I think they're pretty cool with each other overall. That's good. That's they good, had a kid. They had a kid in Scream Four, right? They they do. They have a kid together. Yes, I don't know when they conceived the kid, but I do know they get along pretty well, considering they're you know considering they're divorced. Mm. Yeah, that's good because it wouldn't be the same without them two, at least appearing in a couple of scenes together, right. which would be great. But uh, yeah, I do agree with you guys. I do think that Dewey and Gail are no longer in a relationship. Hence, another reason for. Dewey's sort of rundown state in that first part of the trailer. So they have a conversation. Dewey basically says, you know, it's happening again. He says, it feels different this time. It feels different this time. Alvin, what did you, what did you take from that? Um, I believe the line 
was probably put in there for a reason. I believe the line it's, it feels different this time is to make us aware that it's different this time. Whether it really is different this time, we will, we will <laughs> see. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I worry about them repeating their same formula to uh, to a fault a little bit. But him saying that line is definitely to get us fully aware that this is supposed to be different. So I think that was more for us. I think that was fan service right there. Right. Sure. Do you think that the line actually plays into fan service in the structure and the story of the film? I just really hope that uh, it, you know, him saying that, I really hope it is different. I really do hope it's different. Uh, That makes me really excited to hear him say it. I was excited when I heard it. Yeah, that definitely did uh, tickle my pickle, him saying that line. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm. Yes. So um, then we have Sydney presumably back in Woodsboro and she meets the character of Heather. Now, um, Heather is obviously going to be one of our main focuses of this installment because, you know, we're introduced to her. She says to Sydney, um, you know, I know who you are. You know, she, she obviously knows Sydney quite well. Do you think she knows her? In a positive or a negative, Paul? Um, obviously, I think it's a negative. Um, I think that the town obviously knows. Um, I think the town, anything that that town knows about Sydney, it would have to be in a negative light because of everything that happened. I mean, it's like there was this massacre that happened. Um, and, you know, it, it, it all started with, with her mother and, you know, like her mother being killed. And then it was, you know, um, you know, and then it all started with, with, you know, movie one. It, um, I think that um, it definitely has negative light to it. Um, and, um, but I also think that it's giving us an idea that, um, that the killer is somebody that is a main well, is obviously a main character um and that interacts with all of them because it's like you know it could be like um in the original one where where you know um where there were so many references to old horror movies because that was what billy was really into you know, it was like, you know, he kept on saying that, you know, that um, that in Carrie that they used corn syrup for the blood. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like he has this obsession. So I'm thinking that that maybe they're going to go with that obsession in a bit because um, the killer says not not to skip ahead. But, you know, it's like it's like it's like, oh, I've been forget what he exactly what he says to her but it's something along the lines that it's like uh, i've been i'm such a fan or something like that or well, like to, I, sydney, to sydney to sydney he says uh hello sydney it's an honor it's an honor right so obviously it's like you know he's got this i mean again he's dressing up like the killer so again he's you know he's got obsessed. this obsession. he's obsessed well let's not forget that there is a horror franchise within the horror franchise. Oh, right. That's mean, yes. Are we going to get to see maybe any of the Stab sequels like we did in Scream 4, which is probably the the oddest start of a Scream movie to date. But uh, Alvin, what do you think's happened to the Stab franchise within the Scream franchise? Oh, it, it blows my mind. 
What do you think? I, uh, I'll bring up the word balance again. I definitely hope the stab franchise is involved to some degree. I definitely would like to see it again for sure. Uh, I just, again, I just don't want it to be used as the entire plot device. I would, I, I do believe stabs coming back. I, I feel like we'll see some stab stuff again. But they'll yeah. probably be they'll probably be doing a reboot similar. Like you know they'll be making you know they'll probably be doing a stab reboot, calling it just stab. <laughs> yeah, that would be right. quite cool actually. I would quite like to see that. So um, I'm looking on IMBD right now, and I cannot find the character of Heather listed there at all, guys. So. I'm assuming that maybe her name gives too much away right now to put her on the IMBD list listing, or am I just being blind? Let me see. I can't see it. Yeah, because her name's definitely Heather, right? Because she says, because Sydney says to her Heather as she greets her in that scene. So very strange thought... that she's listed. Hmm. I thought that Go was. No, you're right. Yeah, it was Heather. You're totally right. But I thought for some reason I thought it was uh, Tara's sister, Sam Carpenter, that she was talking to in that trailer. But I could totally be wrong. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's definitely a Heather in, but there's nothing listed. Yeah, Sam Carpenter would be um, Melissa. Is it Barrera's character? So and, yeah, and that I mean, wasn't the girl she was introducing herself to. Yeah, I believe so. But I'm sure she said Heather. So maybe that. It's maybe a, a mistake. I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see for that one. That was quite quite weird. But um, then the next sequence that we get is Gail and Sydney obviously back. I think my one sort of niggle about this trailer, and you know, I think some other people have mentioned it as well. There is a serious lack of Gail Weathers. We only see her really in that sequence where she's standing next to Sydney and then she Sydney asks her, you know, are you ready for this? And she says, never. And then we see her, like sort of a reaction shot of her later on. But we're not we don't really get to see much of Gail and where Gail is at, at this point in the story. Alvin, what do you think Gail's up to? Um Well, the still photos that they showed it still showed that I, I feel like she was trying to kind of reboot her own career uh the way scream 4 went down their plot anyway it seemed like she was trying to get back into her old reporting shoes and you know that could possibly be why her and dewey are no longer together i'm sure they had i mean they clearly had other problems you could see it in scream 4 that they had some marital issues going on uh Mm -hmm. but I i feel like her you know her and splitting i feel like she's probably trying to reboot her own career and that's what it looks like she was doing to me anyway. Sure. I mean, I sort of train, train, but... yeah, I sort of have the, uh, the complaint I have about this trailer is the complaint that a lot of people had about screen four that Gail just wasn't in it very much. Right. No, I, I, that's a valid complaint on the trailer as well. It was lacking Gail. Do you think that, um, with that, with Gail's storyline, I mean, out of all of the characters, to me, she is the one that I probably enjoyed the most watching growing up with the first three films, for, for sure. Um, do you think with Paul's comment about, you know, her, you know, her character journey, do you think that the writers may have run out of things to do with 
Gale Weathers? What do you I think, Paul? Or Alvin, yeah. Either you. Uh, oh, go ahead, Paul. Um, I think that, um, I mean, again, there there might be a reason that we don't see Gale so much. You know, like, I mean, like, it, in my mind, I'm thinking that this killer could be, like, it could be, like, a complete 180. And as soon as that mask's, mask comes off, we will all be like, oh, I did not see that coming. And, um, and that's what I want. Like, I want something that's going to be like, wow, I did not see that coming. Um, but um, I think that with Gail, like, you know, in the first movie, she had such a, a such a huge part of it. You know, she she had this huge character development from you know being just a reporter uh, that was you know hungry for a story to you know just you know having just this traumatic experience of almost dying, and you know even like shooting, like doesn't I forget she she either shoots Billy or she shoots Stu. Spoiler alert, and um, <laughs> she shoots and, Billy. Right. And, um, you know, so it's kind of like she, you know, because she's the one that sort of like, you know, is like, you know, bam, you know, he's dead. You know, it's like Sydney doesn't kill him. Like it's it's Gail. Yeah, I mean, Gail has that whole moment of in the first one, doesn't she, where she's got the safety, the cap on the gun. And then she says, you know, I didn't have the cap off that time, did I, bastard? Um, so she has that sort of um that line, that quip that she makes, that joke, which sort of says to me that she doesn't really regret what she did. But um, yeah, I mean, there is a serious lack of Gale in this trailer. Alvin, do you think that that could be representative of the fact that Gale might not be in the movie very much because she doesn't survive? Well, uh, I guess he is towards the end of the movie and I, I kind of feel I kind of feel like them looking at Stu's house I mean all things seem to point to that being the the ending to me uh, I, I, so I, I think she's going to make it to the end of the movie I don't know if she's going to live or not but I uh, I do think I, I think they're I think they're intentionally showing us what they want us to see and they want us to sp- they want us to do exactly what we're doing right now and you know, <laughs> notice that Gail's missing from the trailer they want us to notice that Dale that Gail's screaming very you know very emotionally you know happens yes. to come right after the Dewey and Ghostface hospital clip uh I would think that and it wouldn't be the first time they've deceived us in those trailers by the way I went back and watched the trailers for two, three, and four. And there's actually a lot of deception in every single one of those trailers. <laughs> there's a lot of it. And I, uh, I, I definitely think they're doing that again with the lack of Gale, actually. Well, when it comes to, to Dewey, I mean, they, there's not much deception. I mean, he does pretty much get killed at the end of every film, but then just ends up getting loaded into an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And two and three, that. Percent, did he get stabbed in four too? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think he did. I think he just okay. got roughed up a little bit. I don't think right. there was actually any stabbing, but that guy has been. The... Yeah, he's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a colander right now. He's been stabbed so many times. That's I was right. watching. I forget him, Dewey, and Gale. That you know, that they, they, they both go because they're really worried about their. For some reason, I like that. Like, was their kid 
was their kid like uh, I have to go back and rewatch for like wasn't their kid in high school at that time um in four Dewey and Gail did not have a child that I knew of mm. oh never mind I'm thinking of something else bless my heart anyway, <laughs> right. no you're fine I, just, I don't I don't remember them having a kid I don't believe that I, I don't believe they did I've actually always hoped that they uh this is totally off topic, but I was, I hoped those characters would like adopt a kid, but. Oh, that'd be cool. Well, I think Sydney, it would work for Sydney too, honestly, too, because everything she's been through and the whole Roman storyline, it would make sense that Sydney would want to adopt a kid. No, absolutely. I mean, with the, the life her brother endured, you'd think that she would want to, to give a young child a better life in that memory. Definitely. That's a great Correct. point. Obviously, bringing a young child into uh, the Scream franchise is probably not a safe thing to do. No, um, probably not. No, no toddlers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely so, not. One of the biggest characters, I would say, in Scream 1 is the house. Uh, Stu's house with a party at the end. It's such an iconic, you know, place. It's almost like the Myers house or... You know the house, uh, the Bates Motel house on the on the hill. It's so recognisable. Uh, we seem to be going back there for this instalment. Uh, who do you think lives there? I mean, um, I'll combine two questions into one. I suppose we do get the line uh, later on in the trailer that says that attacks are on people who um, who are related to the original killers. So people that are related to Billy and Stu. Do you reckon that Stu's family are probably still living in the same house, Paul? I I think, I think that where with, I, yes, I do. And I think that, um, cause what, what I've gotten from the um, original, uh, you know, like trilogy and from four is that once you're in this town, you really like most people, they don't leave. And, um, and so it's kind of like, I think that the families are still there. Um, and, um, I'm thinking though, that maybe we might have, instead of it being focused on, cause like, like the second movie was really based off of, of Billy, you know, and Billy's mom. And then, um, and, and now, um, I think that we really didn't get a lot with Stu. And I think now that maybe this might have something a lot to do with Stu. I don't know, maybe, but um, you know, I would, I would hope maybe they're trying to do something new instead of it just always being about Billy. That's interesting. What do you think, Alvin? I think that's a good point that the, I mean, I actually haven't even given that a lot of thought that, you know, that you're right. The second one is totally still about Billy and uh this one definitely could focus more on the stew aspect. I think personally for me, the reason why the films focus more on Billy, because he was the one with the clear motive. Right. Whereas Stu's motive is very sort of vague and only really known to him. So I think that having that motive that they could work with, i.e. having the mum come back in screen two, um, you know, and then, getting away from that and having Roman's story where he influenced both killers in Scream 3 I, I think and then obviously Scream 4 we've got one of Sydney's own family members 
becoming a killer. I think that even though a focus on Stu, for me, is missing from the story, is it going to be that interesting and palpable seeing he did what he did because he was a kid and loved horror films. There was no, there's no motive there really for us to, to grapple with. So how do you think that could be handled Alvin? That's uh, how, how do I think the mode, the motive could be handled or the motive, the motiveless story of Stu. Like, do you think that they could bring an element in to make his story more, to have a motive or do you think that because he as a killer was motiveless there's not really much they can do with him i think since they i you know paul's point pretty solid that they they focused on billy quite a bit and Stu didn't really get a lot of love and i love the character of Stu. is he was very awesome but i do believe it would be kind of forced if they somehow uh you know can, can figured out a motive that we did didn't know that Stu had all along. I feel like that would be a little worse. I think it was much more believable that Stu, I mean, he even says it like in the movie, it was peer pressure. Like he just, he saw what Billy was doing and he, he wanted to be a part of it. You know, no, I was going to say another thing that, you know, talking with a really good friend of mine uh, as a gay man, um, you know, I've, there were a lot of, innuendos between Stu and uh and Billy that just really kind of made me think like there was something deeper going on there between the two of them than just a friendship and um and I don't know if maybe they're going down uh I doubt that they're going to do that but it would be interesting if they played on that aspect where it was like you know that maybe uh Stu had a little bit more different feelings for Billy or vice versa but um, maybe I think what what the move uh, probably more realistically I think the movie could actually really focus on maybe is is that um, either one of the original survivors has lost their mind and is so angry of what happened that they're going to go back and they're going to try to you know torment the lives and member family members of Billy and Stu. And so, and then they're just going to go and they're going to dress up as ghost face and, you know, they're going to go and they're going to try to kill everybody. And, um, you know, or that maybe Stu's a, a, a member of Stu's family is like, uh, you know what, why is Billy the one that's always getting all this recognition you know, why is this the one, you know, why is it him? You know, what about Stu? And maybe Stu, Stu's family member is the one that's going out and trying to kill Billy's family to, to, you know, basically be like, you know, well, what about Stu? I mean, it is an interesting concept. The fact that the survivors would be so angry and so destitute. I mean, out of the three of them, I would say if any of them was going to be a killer to go after the, the family members of, you know, the killers, it would be Dewey. Right. And we've seen uh, that with how, with how he's like, he's not doing very well right now. Oh, but then again, we do see 
scenes of him being attacked by the killer unless of course we have the you know the deceit that we also got in screen one um with two killers but very interesting stuff very very interesting stuff so um one bit that i really did like and um correct me if i'm wrong but there's a scene with dewey and he says um certain uh, there are certain rules to surviving a horror movie do you think that uh, Dewey in this film is going to be a Randy replacement? What do you think, I, Alvin? I really loved that evolution of Dewey there in the trailer. That's probably one of my favorite parts about the trailer is that he mentioned the rules the way he did. Um, he, he won't be as passionate about it as Randy was by no means, but it definitely looks like he's interested in the rules and, you know, that he's, he's, he might be very prepared on a cop level. Uh, and I, I actually really like that a lot about that scene. I, uh, I would be devastated if any of the three characters had anything to do with the murders. I'm going to be on record of that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it would be I mean, I think too much for me yeah, I do <laughs> to think... handle. <laughs> yeah. I do think as well, you know, in the first one, we have Randy in the video store, you know, talking about various movies, things like prom night and talking about, um, Jamie Lee Curtis but then obviously now we have a wealth of you know streaming and things like that where people can can watch films do you think that they could bring that element into it as well the fact that we uh, the way that we are consuming media and consuming film right now is completely and utterly different to how they were in the first four films do you think that that could influence um you know proceedings in any way the fact that horror movies and the fact that movies of that kind are now more either easily accessible for for people what do you think paul um i think that it can be i think that there's a lot that they could do with that i think that they could do to where if they're going to go down the lines of like maybe an original survivor you know maybe not the original three but um maybe somebody from the from the original trilogy that's coming back to do this or you know like something along that lines that's like they're trying to you know it's like they're trying to get these kids to see that it's like you know this is what that this is what life was like you know this is what billy and Stu were you know were into you know and like you kids don't know nothing about this now because you, it's like you know you've got your smartphones you've got your netflix and all of that like you don't know what a digital <laughs> rental store is it's like you don't know what all this is and they're getting so pissed off that they're just trying to kill them all um but uh <laughs> I, you know, I think, though, that, um, you know, that the aspect of having us, like, I, I think that it can really, you know, a lot of people think that now it's like, you know, we've got all of this security systems, we've got these security cameras, we've got all the stuff that tries to make us feel safe. And I think that the director has gone and has taken these things and saying that the killer is manipulating these things is terrifying. Like the fact that the killer is over there manipulating those locks while that girl is sitting there trying to, like, that is terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. You think that 
all you have to do is press this button and you're secure in your house. But then all of a sudden that killer is somehow doing that. That's fucking terrifying. Excuse my language. But what, you know, the thing is, is just that it, it like, I think that, um, that that could be a really big thing that they could really go on to is, is that it's like, you know, we have our security and, um, you know, and that gives us um, a sense of security and um, that if that's compromised, you know, what are we going to do? No, absolutely. And I love the fact that, you know, all these people are sitting in their secure homes, possibly watching, you know, the first 10 stab films on Netflix. Right. Do you think that there's, all the stab films are now on some streaming site, probably? And that's where stab is probably going to come into the proceedings. But Damn yeah, plus, inter- you know, <laughs> instead yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> stab on disney plus i mean that probably sounds that that could definitely happen so um going back to the whole idea of the attacks that are happening on the family members of the original killers you know that to me is a huge plot point to drop in a trailer do you think that um when it comes to those plot points and when it comes to the idea of you know family members being killed um what do you think that could do for the story do you think that we're gonna get some more insight to who billy and Stu were what do you think alvin do you think we're going to get a little bit more of an insight to how these two boys suddenly flipped and became the killers from screen one here's my here's my best guess on that the poster that came out had tagline is it's always someone you know the trailer definitely makes it a point to talk about that the attacks are, uh, you know, based on family members of the killers, right? If you remember in the second movie, the beginning of the movie, we all thought that they were doing the copycat thing for the first few kills. And then they kind of yeah. changed, did their own thing. I'm, I'm wondering if the way they're advertising and marketing the movie now, it's always someone you know, and then, the, you know, making sure to quote that in the trailer that the killers are targeting uh, you know, relatives of the, the previous killers. I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of throwing that out there for us to, you know, really, really focus on that. And I actually think they're going to have a different motive. I think they're going to come up. I think that's what they're going to think. I think that's what they're going to think maybe to the midpoint of the movie, but then they're going to come to a conclusion that the actual motive is something completely different. Do you I think mean, that maybe someone that, Oh, sorry, Keith. I was just going to say, I mean, it sounds like the ideal thing to do to put all the red herrings in the trailer. So I think you might be right, Alvin. I, I'm really um, hammering that home with this trailer because two months ago, you know, they were on the, the two directors were on. I can't remember what podcast, but it was a good listen. If you guys can track back and find it, they, they were talking about the trailer being very tricky to do and that it was going to be a really hard, really hard thing to do without spoiling anything. And uh, I really think that they made it a point to throw to throw us off as complete. Yeah, this is the first time that the Scream franchise is going to really be able to use social media with Facebook and Twitter. But they were such a different landscape at that time. Like you could, especially when those movies were even thought of, let alone filmed. That you know, with Instagram now. And Twitter, they really can feed us whatever narrative we want or they want. 
for us to know, you know, with, you know, we got people online following actors on Instagram, hoping to find out, you know, who they're following, trying to piece it together. I, I just think it's, I think, you know, you, I don't know if you guys have listened to some of the stories of how they used to try and throw us off with the first, you know, with the, the first few sequels, with the second, third one, with the, the red script with the black letter. So they couldn't photocopy it and many different endings. And I just think this, <laughs> this, this might be their new way to toy with us using, uh, you know, using this trailer and using uh, social media to do it. I think it would be a pretty clever way to make us think one thing and then completely give us a different movie. I think that's a great way to do it. I think the manipulation now that can be used through things like social media and advertising, it really is. I mean, it's always someone you know. Well, it may be someone that the character knows, but we don't necessarily know them. Vice versa. Yes, could be someone that we know, but the characters don't. Yeah. That's a very emotive tagline for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, there's a sequence in it with we talked about Hicks already being the only character returning from screen four, apart from our mainstays, our legend characters, as I like to call them. But um, there's a scene with her driving very fast through Woodsboro, the town square that we've seen. Like her, her foot is down, you know, pedal, ped, what, do they, what do they say? Pedal to the metal. Pedal to the metal. Pedal to the metal. Absolutely. So what do you think um, that sequence is about? You know, she's really, you know, rushing through the town at that point. Very reminiscent of cotton scene. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, God. Um, Oh, yes. Actually, Alvin, you're right. You're right. Very, very reminiscent. Yeah. I think um, looking at the uh, photos of, um, you know, we've got this... um, you know, we, we so seeing um, we have Wes um, Hicks, who's um, the kid from Thirteen Reasons Why, right? I forget. Um, yeah, that's he, correct. So he's giving me very much, um, and we said it earlier. He's giving me very much a stew vibe. You know, even all the way down to like the you know like the blonde hair with the black roots and everything, and it's like. You know, it's it, it, so it's kind of giving me this thing where it's like, you know, and they he shares the same name as Hicks, so it's wondering like, is you know that her son, you know, you know someone that she's related to, you know, maybe she's definitely one of the main characters, you know, maybe she was related to Stu or to um to Billy somehow. Sure. Here's an alternative. Uh, what do you think about this, Alvin? That scene of her chasing through the town is the opening scene. I, I'm i on board with that. Yeah. Let's see I'm that. on board with that. She's trying to go find him. She's trying to go get him. Yeah. Well, her her death is the surprise opening just before the, uh, the title credits. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be on board with that. Like, Keep in mind, the trailer goes out of its way to keep using the word attack as well. So, I mean, the fact that the sun is in the trailer uh, and also <laughs> like she's rest, she's clearly probably going after him. It's possible he didn't die. He was attacked and maybe she's the one that dies kind of deal, you know, uh, because you see yeah. him later on in the trailer and not her. No, absolutely. So, um, 
there's a sequence. There's like obviously the effect, like the jump cuts start to happen, and you know you're seeing very brief scenes of various different things. One of the things that stood out for me there's there's a a jump cut of someone on fire, which for some reason when I saw it really reminded me of the popcorn <laughs> in the screen one. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, sort of like the popcorn on fire on the on, on the stove and but obviously in that sequence there is an actual person on fire. Do you think that might be a little bit of a homage, Alvin? Uh it's possible. I kinda got the feeling that that was uh towards the climax of the movie too. So I uh it just you know, person being on fire, uh it, and if you look at the background, um spoiler alerts to people who don't want to know anything about the movie, but to me, it looked like the kitchen inside Stu's house, the same kitchen that yeah. the first one did in. So uh, it's very possible that that's somewhat of a climax scene, in my opinion. Yeah, what do you think, Paul? Do you think that that could be a climactic uh, part of the film? I do. I think that it has something to do with, um, I think that, you know, we've got the the final girl, um, you, you know, you've got the final girl um, theory, and so you um, have probably, you know, someone that you don't think is, like, again, so I think that it's some, like, I think it does have to do with the climax, absolutely. So, um, and, uh, but I also think that just like uh, the Halloween 2018, I think that this scream, I think is going to be very, very, a lot more brutal than any scream we've seen before, which is saying a lot because that first scream, let's just say, you know, like seeing Drew Barrymore hanging from that tree. Oh, God. Yeah. Absolutely. But then it almost goes with the evolution of the slasher movie. We were talking about Halloween 2018 earlier as well, about, you know, how it's forgotten the rest of the sequels. It's... um it has Michael Myers now as this sort of raging force of anger and blood and guts. And if you watch the trailer for Halloween Kills, he's like slicing up firemen. And, you know, it's a lot more brutal than John Carpenter's original, where he just, you know, one of the most menacing things he did throughout the whole film was hide behind a bush. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that with this film, you know, I do think that you're right there, Paul, that Ghostface could definitely take the kills to a new level. I think uh, for it to stand out, it really does need to bring the gore slightly more than I think than the uh, previous installments have. I mean, um, we have a different classification system here in the UK than you do guys do in the, in the US. But what is this? Do you, do you know what this film is classified as at the moment? Is it R? Is it PG? It's a, uh... It's going to be rated R. That's been uh, that's been decided for sure. That that podcast I listened to with both of the directors a couple of months ago, they they clarified that it was going to be a rated R movie. That's great. So that would all of them have been rated R, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think R is either a fifteen or an eighteen here in the UK. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, because our classification system is very very different. Yeah, you know, we have classification here whereas if it's the number then if you're below the number you can't watch it so 18 you have to be 18 to watch it there's no you know 
if you're 16 coming in with your parents it's fine it's 18 or nothing 18 oh, or wow. above so we have a yeah we have a very different classification system here but i do think that this pop new film if they decide to go down the brutal route is definitely going to be an 18 i hope so scream was an 18 i was actually very shocked to see uh tonight when i went to watch the 25th anniversary to see an 18 certificate on a film is actually quite rare these days seeing i even think that halloween kills is a 15 um and that's gonna that from the trailer looks absolutely brutal so uh Bring on the kills. That's what I say. You know, that's looking at these photos. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Paul. Looking at these photos, there's this photo in. Um, it's extremely reminiscent of the um, the Drew Barrymore opening sequence with the with the girl, um, Jenna Ortega. She plays Tara. Um, that we see in the in the film, she's standing there on the phone and she's by the knife block, just like Drew Barrymore was when the popcorn was popping, and she's talking on the on on the phone, you know, and she's got that she's got that knife out, and she's like just she's got like her finger on it, just like Drew Barrymore did. So I think that there's going to be nods to the original film, but um, I'm hoping that it's not going to be you know, like, you know, scream the force awakens, you know, type of, <laughs> it just, it, it, but, um, I, yeah. As long as it's not scream the rise of ghost face, I'll be absolutely fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would make me sick in my mouth slightly if we got that sort of style film, but, um, yes. So moving on, we have, the killer, or one of the killers, uh, we mentioned this earlier, saying to Sydney, um, hello, Sydney, it's an honour. So that's not really something that you would say to somebody who you know, or say to someone that you have a grudge against. It actually sounds like something you would say to someone that you admire. Um, what do you think could be the theory around that, Alvin? That line was interesting. The the honor part was uh was an intro. I don't dislike the line. I uh I think that it could, you guys are gonna think I'm putting on like tinfoil hats here, but they uh <laughs> like I, I alluded earlier that the trailers have always been since the, after the first one anyway, the trailers were pretty deceptive. And almost everyone got like Roger Jackson saying a line that he actually doesn't say in the movie. So in two uh, in part two, he was like, it's time, girlfriend, but he never said that in the movie. And then three, uh, I think he said, like, welcome to the final act or something. And that really wasn't in the movie. And then <laughs> and four, it wasn't him. It was Gail Weathers when she's like, do it if you got the guts. But she doesn't say that in the movie. I, I, I think this is going to be that line. I think this it's going to be a different line. I don't think that's going to be a line in the movie. Interesting. I disagree. I disagree. You Ooh. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I disagree. Um, I disagree. I, or not. I, I I disagree. I think that I think that it has everything to do with it. I think that this I think that this killer is completely obsessed with the original story and with everything that happened. That I think that they're that they're on that whole that that they're on that 
level where Stewie or Stu Stewie Lord where Stu and um yeah where Stu and Billy were and um you know where they were obsessed with like these horror films and everything like I think that that this killer is probably completely obsessed with Stab and is um you know and then obsessed with the you know like what is Sydney the Sydney Prescott story and everything that's happened and the murders and then if it has something to do with like you know where they're targeting the people that killed um you know the original like the original murder murders family then I think that it has something to do like a vendetta or something so I think that they have like this mad respect for it. So I think that they're completely obsessed. I agree with that. I, yeah, I mean, what I took from that line was that instead of a killer who is opposed to Sydney, the killer is actually doing what they're doing for Sydney. Right. That's interesting. So, I mean, like obviously, love we've with got... her. Yeah, they're in love with her. They maybe they're a victim of something similar themselves, either maybe abuse or maybe a survivor of a crime themselves, and they actually feel for Sydney's story, and therefore she they're going around getting their revenge on the only people they can, and that is the relatives of the original killers. I am a hundred percent here with that motive. By the way, if if <laughs> that was brilliant, by the way, that, that I actually I'm, that's great. If 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 the killer is obsessed with her and doesn't want to hurt her and just wants to hurt the rest of them, I would be 100% here for that. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good point. The honor line, like, even though I don't know if that, like, if I, I, I think that might be the one that's not there. I still think he does honor her. And I think that plot line would be very cool to explore. I completely agree. And I think that also it ties into what you were saying earlier, Alvin, about, you know, with the characters surviving and having a killer that is, you know, obsessed with Sidney Prescott, I think that it would make a story interesting for the fact that we have a lot more motive from that rather than from the stew element or the, the stew sort of route going down that route. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that... Stu is coming back. What do you think to that? Uh, I I do not want to see that. But, no. Uh, yeah, my personally, I love no. Stu. Do you... <laughs> yeah. Did he die in the first one? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Did he, Steve? I. Well, I watched that sequence uh, tonight at the 25th anniversary, I watched that sequence with the mindset that he didn't die. And can I just say a little anecdote that I love about this? Jamie Lee Curtis always claims that she killed Stu because it was her face on the TV when it fell on his head. So That's I always... <laughs> I love the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis puts herself down as the hero of, uh, of the Scream franchise. But I do think that um, it can be seen in both ways. You know, it could be seen as... Um, him being alive, would I be averse to a, a scene in the new film where, with the killings happening, they maybe go into a jail and visit Stu and try Can and I... see if he knows anything? 
can I speak on that for a second? Of course you can. Uh, I, if they would have brought Stu back in three, like they had originally intended, that would have been something I would have absolutely thought was cool. Oh, but yeah. now we've gone two, three, and four without him ever even coming up as a possible, uh, you know, partner in crime, somebody from afar. He's not, he hasn't been brought up in any way. And other the only time he's been brought up, she says she fucking killed them. Or I guess that was Billy at that point. You're yeah. right. But I don't know. I think it would be too far-fetched to bring them back in the fifth movie. I think if they had brought it back in the third movie, that would have been cool. And I know that was originally their plan. Uh, but yeah, I think in the fifth movie, I think that's just, I think that'd be too, too far. Interesting. I think that the only way or the only reason in my mind, just to sort of counter that would be that they haven't brought it back up in the other films because the story hasn't sort of lent itself to the stew storyline. Although now we are getting a killer that is back and killing the relatives. Um, so it has a direct link to him in the fact that his family members are being murdered. Because no one really cares about Stu in any of the other movies. Like everyone is always, it's always about Billy. Like I, I always remember everything about being Billy. Like Billy this, Billy that. <laughs> That's God because damn, Billy. Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love him. I loved the character, but like I just, I don't think there's a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of significance in bringing him and his motives back to the story because they were so lacking to begin with. I do. Yeah. That's just kind of the way I feel about him and his, like, I love the fact that they're bringing back his house and, you know, at the end of the day, it's a scream movie. If they bring back, you know, they bring back Stu, there's been sillier things that have happened in horror franchises. I, and I forget, <laughs> um, it's totally fine. I just, as a, preference i uh i've spoke on this a couple of times and i i made like a little video on like facebook and one of the main things i was saying is i wanted the dead to stay dead yeah. <laughs> do you know what i won't i won't lie to you if Stu came back in in a way like maybe just like a visit in prison i would think okay that was a nice little ditty but if he came back like you know turned up at the house and was a huge part of the plot i don't think i'd be down for that really but maybe just a brief appearance hey we get a flashback as do somehow i'm totally cool with that although having seen good old matthew lillard recently um when was the last time i saw him i think i saw him last in the twin peaks the return um yeah, unless they used a lot of the technology that they used for uh, Peter Cushing in the Star Wars Rogue One, I don't think they're going to be bringing him back as in, in a flashback. <laughs> I, I, I would, flashback would absolutely be uh, integral in doing the the face de aging. I agree with that. Absolutely, because he yeah. um, don't get me wrong; he still looks good, but he does not look like his eighteen uh, year old Stu. Been twenty five no. years. None of them look. None of them look like they're in their twenties anymore, and they weren't even eighteen when they made the movie. They were all in their late twenties. So, yeah. Um. Excellent. So that pretty much, I think, has broken down um, all of the major elements of the trailer. I do have some remaining questions for you, though. So I'll I'll do eeny meeny miny mo for these questions. So, um, Paul. Yes. Do you? We we have discussed it quite a lot, 
but I want your definitive answer. Do you think that there is going to be um, a major link, apart from the link that we already know about, that the killer is killing relatives of the original killers? Do you think that Billy and Stu are going to play a huge part in the story? Um, if they don't play a huge part in it, um, like, I think that, like, their legacy will have something to do with it. Like, definitely. Their legacy will, will be in it. So, yes. Yes. Excellent. Thank you very much. And, uh, Alvin, this is just a fun question for you. Where's Kirby? And did she die in Scream 4? The dead stay dead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if there's any... <laughs> If there's one if there's one character that I would not completely roll my eyes at if they brought back alive, it would it would it would definitely be Kirby. I have a lot of opinions on Scream Four. Uh, Kirby is not a problem. I thought Kirby was fine, and I think watching the director's commentary on Scream Four, uh, Wes Craven definitely acknowledges that she could still be alive. He doesn't say she's absolutely alive, but he does say it's possible, and he's said it on Twitter as well. Uh, so if they did bring her back, I if they brought her back, it'd be cool to see her as the final girl, honestly. But uh, I don't know. If yeah. get, I don't get that lucky because it's been 10 years now, and I, I just feel like with a new director and, uh, you know, new – everything really other than you know they're bringing the cast back but it does seem to be moving in a different direction than you know they were going to do a trilogy with four five and six originally and i think she would have really been in five and six i don't know if they'll still do that but i don't know i'll mm. forgive it if Kirby comes back i would be i would even be okay with that so i mean maybe she'll come back in in a year's time in scream kills scream kills <laughs> and, then, and then the year after in scream ends who knows yeah I, i'd be fine coming back to the franchise that in some capacity even if they just brought her back to just ultimately kill her again <laughs> but i mean look they're bringing they're bringing kyle richards back for uh kills yeah exactly i mean yeah. if you look at the uh the list of the amount of old Halloween characters that are coming back even for, yeah, for kills and then Halloween ends apparently is going to have even more. So, you know, they, they've got a wealth of of characters that they, a wealth of, a pool of characters that they could sort of delve into at any point during this franchise. If it continues, obviously, we don't know. But I do think Scream will be a huge success if, um, you know, if Halloween, you know, I, I mean, I'm a huge Halloween fan, but a lot of my friends have never seen any of the movies. They're not interested. But if that can be the biggest slasher of all time, I definitely think that Scream can take it over. Ooh, that was a yeah. big shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Dude, um, I, I prefer the Scream movies. I love them. But yeah, I mean, how much the, do, you, do you remember how much the Halloween reboot made box office wise? Oh God! It was a lot. It was, it was like in the four hundred, four five hundred million. See, yeah, and that I hope I hope the scream can do something like that. The last scream movie made ninety seven million, so yeah, it's quite a difference. Yeah, that's. I think it. I think with the the difference is now, is that the generation who grew up with scream, um, nostalgia 
I think within the last five years has become what sells now. I, I, it used to be, apparently, I don't know about this, but it used to be sex that sold things. And now it's <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> so, um, you know, all of us that are, you know, were around watching the screen films and now in sort of our 30s plus, uh, we have all of this knowledge and all of this money. And I just think that with that comes... Um, a successful franchise and a, and a successful fan base so i do think that this film will do better in my opinion i i think it will do better financially than scream 4 as well i don't i don't know if it'll come close to halloween franchise but man i freaking <laughs> hope so i love it so well let's do a deal we'll we'll go and watch it at the cinema or at the theater at least two or three times just to boost the numbers up <laughs> there we go set in stone on my part for sure (laughs) excellent so i have one final question for you but before we do that we do have a couple of messages uh waiting so let's just hit these uh messages very quickly and then i'll ask you my final question here we go vader oh my god i don't know what was going on i couldn't get in a minute ago but keith andrews my (laughs) brother from across the pond. What's <laughs> going on, man? Welcome home. I- I'm just saying. <laughs> Hello, Vader. Thank you very much. I, have, I haven't been on stereo for a very, very long time, but uh, with this Scream trailer dropping and getting to meet the lovely Alvin and then Paul coming along too, um, how could I resist coming on and having this conversation? So thank you very much. Lovely to see you here. Vader, here we go. Mikey. I was kind of curious on the Scream trailer, so I might watch it again, but a continuation of the story, or is it more fan service? Like episode nine of Star Wars. Yes, I said it. It's hard to say, because I personally liked all the Scream movies. I thought they were interesting, and each one of them, I still couldn't figure it out. So it was great playing along. Hmm. Hard to say. I say it's worth it. You get the old cast back, which is nice. I'm down. There you go. That's another person who's going to at least watch it at least once in the cinema. So it could overtake Halloween. <laughs> Who knows? Thank you very much for your message. So. I, I was going to say the one thing that really stands out for the Scream franchise for me is it's unlike anything else in its genre. So you have Halloween, obviously you have Friday the 13th, you have Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream fits nicely in there with those slasher tropes. But Scream is the only franchise like that that is a whodunit. You know, we have, obviously we know that Freddy's in Nightmare and we know that Jason is the killer in Friday the 13th and we know that... Um, you know, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's the the titillating, the uh, the whodunit element of Scream that really draws me to that franchise more. It's like going back to, you know, the old books of Agatha Christie here. You know, one of our most famous writers here in the UK. She was the the absolute genius behind so many whodunits, things like Murder on, on the Orient Express. I feel like Scream borrows from that so much of the red herrings and leading us down one way and then bringing us back another and just confusing us. Like you were saying, Alvin about 
the marketing and the traders. They, it could be a whole ploy just to confuse us. I love that element of Scream. And I just think that that makes it unique in the slasher genre. Is that something that draws you to it as well, Alvin? Uh, the whodunit is a very interesting aspect of Scream. It's funny that you bring up the whodunit because on one of the Scream pages, I, I, I got a, a bit of flack because I watched the recent movie, the There's a Stranger in Your House. And after watching yes. that, after watching that movie, I had decided that uh, I would be one. And, and that's not it's not going to happen because Hollywood doesn't take a lot of risks. Uh, let's be real. But I, I definitely made sure I said that after watching that new movie, I'm actually hoping the Scream franchise did not do a whodunit for the new one. Uh, but I do love the whodunit Ooh. aspect. It's not like I wouldn't watch it. Like, I'll watch. I understand that it's important and that that is an aspect that made them memorable. But I don't think it's the only aspect that made the movies memorable. Interesting. Paul, do you mm. think that a Scream movie could um, be interesting without the whodunit element? I think that's what makes it exciting because you're sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, like, like what Alvin said before he was taking his son to go see it for the first time. And, you know, and his son was like guessing the whole time. Oh, I think it's this person. Oh, I think it's that person. Like I I can remember doing the same thing. Like, who is it? Like, who is this? I think it wouldn't, I don't think it would be as exciting. No. Interesting. I personally love a whodunit anyway. And I Me do too. love that element of the screen. But I do think that maybe um, the way that it could be met in the middle is not waiting to, for the end to reveal who the killer is. Maybe do it halfway through the film and then have the or, other half of the film dealing with the fallout. Or not revealing who the killer is in the first part of this trilogy. <gasps> oh, that yeah, but then what happens? I mean, what happens if it doesn't do well at the box office and we don't get the next episode you gotta have confidence have confidence (laughs) (laughs) okay well i'll tell you what that would make fans very happy because the amount of fan fiction that will come out given their different endings will be immense oh it'd be huge (laughs) absolutely huge so guys i think we have gone through this tooth and nail but i do have one more question to ask you now um I'm going to politely ask you now, would you guys be up for coming back after the film is released to do a review? Yes. I would 100% I'd come back after the movie. I'd come back before the movie. If you're talking about Scream, I'm I'm here for it, man. Or, or movies in general. I'm, I'm a big fan of all of them. So. Excellent, Alvin. You are booked. Um, <laughs> and you are booked too, Paul. So that's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. So, uh-huh. um, with with that question asked, I suppose my last question is, um, obviously, I know that we don't know all of the characters yet, but if you were just to give, like, a random guess, who do you think the killer is? Let's start with Paul. Um, if we're going down along with, it's always somebody that you know, I'm thinking it's either going to be um, Wes or I think it's going to be t- uh, Tara's sister because of the, uh, you know, the unlocking of the, um, of the doors. Um, Interesting. So Sam, I'm writing this down, by the way, because I'm going to look at this again uh, at the end of January when we watch the film and then I'm going right. to haunt you with your answers <laughs> right. Sam or Wes Sam or Wes okie dokie Alvin 
Oh man. Let's see. Let me recollect for one second here. I, I think if they're going to do, or if, if, if I'm picking strictly from the people in the trailer, or can I say that it's not going to be somebody from the trailer? Oh, you can do whatever you like. You can guess however you want to. I think one killer will not definitely not be in the trailer uh, that we have right now. I think one killer will be a kind of a surprise, more like a Roman aspect. Somebody, somebody who wasn't as integral in the story, like during this, during the actual movie, they did that with Roman a little bit. And I think they'll probably do that again. Uh, same way they did it with uh, Billy's mom. She wasn't super in it a lot. Uh, mm. I think, that's going to be one. And the other one will probably be, I'm just going to say like maybe Hicks was a killer. We'll just go Hicks. I'm not sure. I'm not very confident about it, but I, I think if they change up the formula, like I'm hoping they do to some degree, maybe Hicks gets figured out early and then we have to figure out the other one, the rest of the movie. Excellent. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball, and I'm going to choose one of our, uh, legend characters and going with my theory earlier about you know the idea of someone killing for Sydney rather than trying to kill Sydney I'm going to go with Dewey oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> devastating but I I when you when we originally talked about Dewey possibly being a killer I was like no way but then when you brought up the whole somebody killing for Sydney that would track, man. That would track. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. That is the in-depth look into the Scream trailer, adding a few little tidbits there on the 25th anniversary Scream screening, which uh, I saw today and Alvin saw the other day with his son and uh, amazing. And Paul, are you going to do some re-watching of the Scream films? over? I Halloween am. Period? I am. I am. I'm going to watch all of them. I'm going to rewatch all of them again so that, you know, I'm refreshed again, you know, because I really do like them. They really are really good. One thing I just want to talk about very, very quickly before we go. What is your opinion on the release date? Do you think releasing this film in January is a pro or a con? Because usually a film like this would be released over the Halloween period because obviously that is a time when people do enjoy to go out and enjoy a, a good horror movie. Do you think that it's a bit detrimental to the film being released? So, you know, in the new year, or do you think that's actually a bit of a pro plus? What do you think, Alvin? Uh, uh, that, the release date concerns me. The, um, the, the other ones were, so we had some, like, I think we had, uh, I'm sorry, December, but the, uh, but the, so it wouldn't be the first Scream not to release in Halloween time. I don't know if any of the Screams released on Halloween time, did they? Um, I know four, no, I think uh, that, I know they, they were more summer hits, weren't they? Yeah. I, uh, scare me. February wouldn't scare me. January is kind of a dump month for, for studios. So that does concern me. That doesn't mean it's the end all be all. Oh, can you hear me, Paul? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, I think Alvin might have just lost connection for a second. Uh, I'm going to um, ask you the same question. Sorry, Alvin, we lost you for a second. You still there, Alvin? He's just I am here. Away. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we we lost <laughs> okay. you for a second. Just just say I'm... again what 
what did you say about the um the release date you said it was a bit of a dump month uh january yeah january is a bit of a dump month for movies usually yeah, december is pretty solid february is pretty cool because you got you know date nights with valentine's day and i just january concerns me it's not the end all be all it doesn't mean the movie's going to be garbage or anything it just it does kind of concern me a little bit that they released it in january yeah what do you think paul i mean i think um well, to go back to the trailer, if you noticed that in the opening sequence on the landline phone, it did say September 23rd on uh, her landline phone. So I'm thinking that it does take place in the fall. And, um, you know, and most of them took place in the fall. Um, uh, so I think that has something to do with it. But um, so I think that it could be like, like, it is strange seeing it going, you know, in the middle of, um, you know, here, especially here in Ohio and Cleveland, it's kind of like, you know, it's going to be like a bunch of snow and everything, you know, and really frigidly cold. It's like, you know, it's like, it's really fun seeing it when it's like that time of the year when it's like actually when the movie is. Yeah, sure. I mean, the reason why I thought that, that they were having it in a january slot was because they didn't want it to go up against halloween it would have been halloween ends because obviously the halloween films were bumped forward a year because of covid but i thought the reason why was because they didn't want it to go up against the um you know a sequel to the biggest slasher of all time i thought they might have lost their nerves slightly but i'm not too worried about it i mean it's a great way to start the new year of film watching, seeing the next installment of one of your favorite franchises. So I'm not sad for it, but at the same time, it just seems a bit odd to me. Right. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah, totally. Well, lads, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Yes. I really, really enjoyed it. It has just gone midnight here in the UK. So it's time oh, man. for my bed, guys. But yes. Thank you so much, Alvin. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to do lots more chats with you in the future. Absolutely. It was it was really awesome being on here. Thanks for having me. And Paul, it was definitely nice to meet you too. Yes, you too, Alvin. Yes, I gave you a follow. Excellent. And thank you very much, Paul. Lovely to get back in touch again. Yes, we'll have to do some more stuff here soon. This was our first show. This was our first official show, Keith. Yay! Excellent. Yes. So, well, you have a yeah. good night, guys. And you remember, too. don't answer the phone and don't ah. open the door. Right. <laughs> <laughs>